Welcome to the Broadband Bunch, a podcast about broadband and how it impacts all of us. Join us to learn about the state of the industry and the latest innovations and trends. Connect with the thought leaders, pioneers, and policymakers helping to shape your future through broadband. Join us on Facebook at The Broadband Bunch and see the latest episodes, news, and photos. The Broadband Bunch, as always, sponsored by ETI Software. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Broadband Bunch, alongside my colleague Brad Hine, Product Director for Analytics Solutions at ETI Software. I'm Craig Corbin. Our guest today began his journey of connecting others while looking to help a friend who didn't have internet service at his business. Since then, as for the better part of two decades, guided the growth of Whisper ISP into a fixed wireless now serving portions of Illinois, Missouri, Kansas, and Oklahoma. He's a former member of the U.S. National Swim Team and is a founding member of the Dyslexic Advantage Board, which is an educational, scientific, and charitable organization working to improve the lives of those with dyslexia. He also currently serves as chairman of the board for the Wireless Internet Service Providers Association. And also, St. Louis Business Monthly named our guest to their top 30 under 30. He was named to the top 100 St. Louisians to know by the St. Louis Small Business Monthly Magazine. The founder and CEO of Whisper ISP, Nathan Stook. Welcome to the Broadband Bunch, Nathan. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That's a that's such a great, great introduction. I mean, it's you start hearing everything about what you've done over the years. It's like, wait a minute, is that really me? Did I I didn't do all those? I know it was a group of people that did them, right? Well, I'll tell you, when I did the research for our visit today, I was so impressed because with everything that you have done, beginning. I think back when you were at uh, Southern Illinois, one of the Salukis uh, on the on the swim team there, uh, in your spare time, uh, you evidently were pretty good at fixing uh, computer problems for your fellow students, and you actually started a computer repair company in college. I've got to know about that. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. I I did, and it, it was funny. I remember I I charged five dollars an hour. Uh, to work on people's computers, uh, and I, I just I couldn't keep up with uh, the the demand. There was I didn't have enough time, and I remember talking to my dad, telling him that, "Hey, I'm going to double my rate. I'm going to go to ten dollars an hour." And I, my mom was like, "Well, you can't do that. You can't just double your rate." And uh, I, sure, let's try it. And and I ended up being at, at twenty dollars an hour for a college student to pay that back in the 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 you know late nineties. That was a that was a very big. Uh, a big jump, but it, it worked out well. And that was before the internet. So really you, you couldn't go look up how to do things. You had to trial and error, try things. And I just loved doing it. I loved helping people solve their technical problems when they, they couldn't do it at all. Well, that that is phenomenal. I know that helped you get through uh, college, but uh, I was also so impressed with uh, what you've done, uh, obviously with Whisper ISP and, and your slogan, I think is is great service is our passion. Internet is what we do. How did that all come to be? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, you know, when I was an IT consultant, I had taken the company that I started in college and kind of grown it over the time when I got out of college, I I, I was really looking for 
how do I solve some of the problems that people have? And one of those problems was the, the connection to internet. As an IT consultant, I heard and saw firsthand the problems people were having connecting to the internet. Um, of course, in 2003, when we started, I was a little bit ahead of the game, right? Internet was important, but it wasn't direly important at the time. Um, and we started looking at what we could do to, to provide the, how I could bridge that gap. And I did about six months worth of research. Um, my, my driving force was my next door neighbor. Um, we could get cable and DSL at our house, but two miles down the road, uh, we couldn't get anything but a very expensive T1 or satellite internet. And at that time, satellite internet had a dial-up upload component to it. Uh, and I, I did about six months worth of research and said, oh, well, fixed wireless. I, I, I can do this with fixed wireless. Um, and I convinced my wife it was a good idea to put $36,000 across three of our credit cards uh, because everybody needs internet, dear. Everybody needs internet, you know. And, <laughs> and she thought it was okay. We'll do this. And uh, well, the only thing we know for sure about our business plans uh, is that they're wrong. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I took my first paycheck about three and a half years later uh, because, you know, it always takes twice as much time or three times as much money or vice versa. Um, but it was a real, um, it was a real drive to solve that problem. I, I love the feeling of coming in and providing service to someone that couldn't get it from anybody else. And that's what's kind of driven us this whole journey of the last 16 years. Well, Nathan, describe to me then uh, there was probably a point when you were first getting started that um, you had an inclination that pay TV was starting to uh, potentially go away. You saw a lot of internet business where you were full on into the fixed wireless. Describe that transition for you. Right. I, I remember I remember sitting um, with one of my friends. He had this brand new thing called a TiVo. Right. This was a brand new box and, and yep. it was all about how you could get different TV shows. And I remember telling him, well, I think pay TV is going to go away and I think you're going to be able to go straight to the, the channel, either Discovery or um, National Geographic or HBO and, and, and buy directly from them and not not have a, a, a bundle pay subscription. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that's coming. But this was back in like 2004, 2005. Um, and then it, it just, it didn't materialize. And then I was doing research kind of every year I update my business plan and I was doing research at the end of 2010. And I said, wow, this, this trend is really going to be picking up. It, it's really, really, um, the, the pay subscription model that we know of is going to, to, to be done. It, it, I don't know when, but it's going to end. And, uh, then I, I saw an, uh, a news clip that mentioned that, um, they sold fewer TVs, that quarter, I think it was the second or third, third or fourth quarter in 2010, they sold fewer TVs that quarter than they did the quarter before. And I remember thinking, well, that's not oh. a big deal because I have ups and downs in my business as well. Uh, but that's the first time in the history of TV sales, they sold fewer TVs than they did the quarter before. And that's when it dawned on me that my, at that time, my four-year-old daughter, um, she preferred to watch her iPad or my iPad in her bedroom um, on, on a small screen as opposed to a very large TV. Um, so I went around preaching that, you know, pay TV as we know it is dead. Uh, that was back in 2010. I, I got, most people argued with me. Most people said I was wrong and that's fine. I just, I saw what I saw. Um, and then I think it was Reed Hastings. He's the founder of, of Netflix in 2015. He did a whole speech about how, uh, you know, pay TV as we know it is dead. Subscription model is dead. Everything's going to over the top. And he, he got a whole Wall Street Journal article written about him. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I was five years ahead of you saying this. Um, but I guess he probably has a little more credibility behind him, right? <laughs> Possibly. 
Possibly. Well, um, I also want to, I know that you're the first employee of, of Whisper ISPs. You're, uh, you're officially the CEO, which I've heard in the WISP business, business means chief everything officer. Would you agree? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Many, many, many hats, many hats. Right. So just describe to, to our audience what it is that you did on a daily basis when you first started and how that's kind of transitioned to what you do today over the growth of Whisper, Whisper ISP. Yeah, I, I think when you when you rewind the clock back to 2003, um, it was fixed wireless was really a, it was a hobbyist, right? You you had to be very technical. We were we were building radios, and I say we, I was building radios um, where I had to pick out the right pigtail and the right radio card and the right power supply and the right antenna, and I would literally build them. I never used a Pringles can, um, but I might have used a first aid box, um, you know. So we had to build everything. And, and and you had to wear all the hats and and you had to take support calls. You had to take sales. A, a normal install would take me about an hour unless I got a lot of support calls while I was doing it. Then I would literally be sitting on top of the person's house um, taking a support call. No, it's it's mail.whisperhome.com. And, and I would have to help the customer that way. Uh, or I would take a, um, a you know, a sales call. And really, you have to do that as as you start because I, I didn't have the dollars, uh, the money to be able to hire a lot of people. I also didn't have the work. There was a lot of work to be done, but it wasn't something that I was, you know, I wasn't big, big enough to be able to do that. And I think one of my favorite stories from back then is we we had our phone number on the on the back of the of our bucket truck, and that that was my office. I drove a bucket truck um, around everywhere, and and it was an 800 number, and you would call in, but it got forwarded to my cell phone. And and I would love I would talk to somebody and they're like oh yeah I'm 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 driving behind one of your trucks right now I'm like yeah that's me they're like no 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 I I'm on the corner of this street and that street and I'm like yeah that's me they're like no 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 I'm I'm I'm, I'm we're pulling up to the stop sign and, and then finally they would follow me all the way to my next job and then I would I would get out still talking to them on the phone they're like oh it is you that I'm talking to they they just assumed that I was this much larger company than just just me wearing all the hats uh, all the hats that you had to 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 be able to to get the work done. And it was a lot of doing all the day work during the day and doing all the physical work, going to people's houses, installing them, climbing the towers, everything you had to. And then at night you would spend all the time doing the administrative work, doing the research, learning um, from WISPA. That's a, one of the members uh, that we're, we're a member of one of the organizations. And it's, it's a really, really good organization with a lot of information and you would learn about what to do. And then you'd go out and do it again the next day. Right. So when you first started, um, hiring employees when uh, um, when you started to grow and uh, your subscribership uh, started to multiply. So what types of jobs did you initially start to hire for and, and how did it grow from there? Yeah, so the, the first job I technically hired for uh, was a driver um, because I was having a really hard time driving the bucket truck, answering uh, phone calls and, and, and staying on the road and everything like that. And I figured that wasn't safe. So I brought my dad out of retirement uh, and he would organize the van. He would drive me. I would, I would do tech support calls and he wouldn't let me pay him at all. It was just good quality time we got to spend. And he, he helped me get over that hump of, you know, I know I need more employees, but I couldn't afford to hire anyone. So for about six months, he, he drove me around literally and, and helped me where he could. Uh, and then after that, we were large enough to hire kind of some of our first employees. And our first employees were typically the installers. Uh, those are the ones where they would physically go out to the customer site and do the install. 
Um, while I feel that that is a very, very important role, they represent Whisper, they represent who we are, it was also one of the first roles that I could hand off to someone else and it reduced my down my drive time. It reduced my time during the day of of doing those tasks to be able to to do other tasks. And every time I hired somebody, I would say, "Okay, I'm hiring you to do this role, so I can have more time to do my work." And then what I would find is that I would have more time to do work, and then I would have more people that could do more work. So then I'd be like, I, I'd keep working just as much, right? Because it's it, it didn't ever really save me time. It just allowed us to continue to grow uh, larger and larger. Uh, and it wasn't until we got much larger that I was able to say, okay, now instead of working 80, 90 hours a week, I'm able to only have to work 60 hours a week um, because we had grown large enough and had enough uh, support staff to be able to to provide that customer service that we always wanted to. Right. And that's a that's a great point in terms of customer service because I'm, I'm sure the, the more employees you got, the more time you were able to spend on really cultivating the culture and how you were knowledge sharing with all the new employees you were bringing on board. So describe to me kind of your your vision now for uh, for Whisper and what what you're trying to build for your community and and uh, and how you want to appear to uh, your subscriber base. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, and that, that's something that I didn't realize early on that culture was my responsibility, right? So when you know, I was a head lifeguard. And I, I treated my lifeguard role as if I owned the, the the pool that I worked at and I was responsible for what was going on. That's just the way I always thought. I, I, I guess if looking back, I always thought of myself as an owner, whether I actually own the company I work for or not. I, I didn't realize that was the case. So when I started hiring other people, I assumed they had the same outlook that I did. And it, it turns out they they didn't. And it turned out that I needed to spend a lot of time on that culture piece. And what does that culture look like? And what do I want them to, the customer to feel? What do I want the employees to feel? And, and I, I kind of summed it all up to that if I treat my employees really, really well, then in turn, they will treat the employee, the customers really, really well. Um, and, and too many times, large companies miss that where they they mandate that you treat the the customer well, and then they don't treat the employees that well, or they don't communicate with them and everything. So we we try very very hard here at Whisper. Now we're we're over 100 employees now after starting with one, and um, we have a family feel. And that culture is one of taking care of the customer. It doesn't mean the customer is always right, but it means that we will treat the customer the way we would want to be treated. And and the way we do that is treat our employees the way we would want to be treated. And so far that's been very very successful. That I don't have to ask my employees to go the extra mile. A lot of times I have to tell them, okay, you've done enough. There will be more work tomorrow. You know, you, you need to go home. You need to, to stop working because it is all about the customer and, and proving to the customer that we love them as opposed to them just being a number for us. Wonderful. So uh, kind of staying on that line of knowledge transfer and, and communication and educating your employees, uh, I understand that you run Whisper University. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we we do. I I love training people. You know, when we go out to hire somebody, we used to hire, you know, the first person that didn't smell and then bring them in because we were horrible at hiring. And, uh, you know, it's like, oh, okay, you'll work out. And then I was perplexed, you know, uh, you know, three months later when they didn't work out. It's like, well, wait a minute. It's because I just picked the first person that said, yes, they would work for me. And and now we're much more um, selective as to who we hire. And the two big traits that we hire on are work ethic and attitude. Um, 
I, I can't change that uh, very quickly in people. Um, you're, you're not necessarily born with it. I think it's a, a learned trait, but if you haven't learned it by the time you come work for, for Whisper, it's kind of hard to, to teach you work ethic and attitude. But if you have a good work ethic and a good attitude, we can teach you to do anything. We can train you to do anything. So uh, we have Whisper University kind of more out of necessity. We had it for ourselves. Uh, and every year I, I got asked by lots and lots of WISP owners, could you please you know, teach my employees? Could you please train them? And I'm like, oh, nobody, nobody really wants to know how we do it. It's, it's okay. We, this is just an internal program. And then as more and more people asked, we said, well, you know, this is actually something super important. I, I want to raise up the industry and make us better. Um, so we opened up our, our internal classes um, to anybody who wants to, to join. You don't even have to be a, a WISP if you want to go through one of our business classes. Um, but we do installer training. Uh, we do inventory control. We have some marketing ones in there. Um, you can even have a day that you spend with me and we go over all kinds of, um, you know, kind of where they are in their business and, and what we're doing. And that is something that's been successful. And it's it's really, really cool. Some of the people I've started to form a good relationship with, especially the ones that spend a day with me, and, and it's neat to see them grow over time in their in their business. Um, and, and what they're doing. And we learn a lot from it too. So it's not just a one-way street. We love uh, learning from other people and how they're doing neat little things that we can incorporate in what we're doing. Yeah, I know. And that is so important for, uh, for building communi community, especially among all the WISPs in uh, North America and uh, sharing information back and forth and comparing and contrasting with how you're doing things in certain geographic areas of North America com, uh, compared to others. You know, what, what would you say um, in terms of trying to educate the customer, or I mean the subscriber, and getting beyond you know, some of the misinformation that might be out there, uh, how, how does that Whisper University help your employees better service uh, the customer though? Right. So we, we have a section where I do kind of the, the, the RF behind wireless. Um, where I, I go into a little bit more detail on a non-engineering and non-technical basis of how wireless works. And, and one of the big things, kind of the aha moments for people, is when I tell them that we all know how well our cell phones don't work. And they're like, oh, everybody laughs. Ha ha, yeah, we know our cell phones don't work that well. And I say, well, we're wireless, but we're not mobile. So immediately, in order to have mobility, you give up throughput and you give up reliability. And, and when customers are concerned about um, the reliability of their, their connection and what's going to happen if I connect to you with fixed wireless, you know, most of our customers don't even call it fixed wireless. They just know it's, it's, it's wireless. Then we can help explain to them that, no, we're not mobile. We install an antenna on the outside of your, your building or your house. Um, that is a fixed connection. That allows us to put in a larger larger antenna than the tiny little antenna you have in your cell phone. Uh, that also allows us to have a very reliable connection and actually very fast uh, connection as well. And I think that's one of the biggest things that kind of helps everybody understand that we aren't we aren't uh, a mobile provider. Uh, the other misconception we have a lot is that we're satellite. Well, it's a satellite dish just like I have, you know, going for my TV. And it's like, no, no, we're not. That satellite has to go all the way up outer outer space and back. And our service goes to a local tower, a terrestrial um, um, high point somewhere. Uh, and when we explain those to our employees, then that helps them non-technically explain it to someone who might be trying to figure out what the difference is between a, a cable connection, a, a, mo a mobile connection, our service, and, and DSL. We're able to kind of help explain that to them 
uh, in a layman's terms, so they understand better what they're what they're actually getting from us and why ours is different than their other options. This is the Broadband Bunch. We're visiting with Nathan Stook, the founder and CEO of Whisper ISP. And Nathan, uh, it's obvious that you, along with virtually everyone else that we've spoken to in the WISP industry, you have such a passion for service to the community, to your to friends, family uh, that, that you're uh, serving. How did the Whisper ISP grow to the point now where you're serving portions of four different states. That's phenomenal. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it it's always been my dream. You know, after I did about six months worth of research, I realized this was a, a, a hobbyist or a mom and pop industry. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? 16 years ago, that's where we had to be because you had to do that. But I wanted to create an industry. I wanted a lot of customers and I wanted a lot of employees. Um, every once in a while, I question why I wanted a lot of both of those. <laughs> but for the most part, I, I wanted a lot of both. And I wanted to be able to affect people, right? And the way we've been able to, to grow is that we focus on customer service. Our industry sets the bar very, very low. We're right up there with the IRS and the airlines as the companies that people hate to do business with. I think four or five of the top ISPs in the US are in the bottom 10 of, of the companies that have the rankings. Um, so we're looking to provide that customer service. It just comes in the form of an internet connection. So most of our growth, I, I mean, up until a few years ago, we didn't even have a marketing department. We couldn't keep up with the demand because you would get our service and then you would tell your neighbor who would tell their neighbor who would tell their neighbor. And it was just as fast as we could possibly grow and what we could do. And every our limitation has always been just access to capital. Uh, which is a good problem. I am not complaining at all about that. that that's one of our only constraints. Um, but really, it's it's that that love for the customer. They they feel like a number. They feel like they don't care. And and we go above and beyond for the customer. But it isn't like we have to do that every day. It's when we deal with them. Um, like anytime we have a billing dispute or something, um, we credit the customer right away. And then if we find out that the customer was wrong or something wasn't right, then then we ask for that money back. But I, I've worked with so many large companies that it, it took me six months to try to get my money back when they double billed me. And, and it's it's like it was clear to me that they did it, but they just hope I kept, you know, stopped or got tired of calling in. And we've really grown because of that um, that customer service. And then we've grown some opportunistically with the four states are because we saw a need in these different areas. We have an opportunity to, to either buy another WISP uh, or to go start fresh in that that state. And as we grow, what I desperately do not want to have happen is to grow too large and too big to where we aren't local. And we're putting in a lot of safeguards to try to make it where our local uh, employees' boots on the ground have a lot of autonomy and a lot of um, empowerment to make the right decision for the customer. And I think that's so vitally important as we grow large that you can't forget the reason we were so successful is because we were the local person as opposed to being managed from a, you know, a corporate headquarters two states away. Very nice. Very nice. I, I do want to talk, you talked about growing in, a t in, in terms of acquiring. So um, I know partnerships and, and certainly acquisitions are uh, a big part of any growth um, spurt of a, of a WISP. So can you talk a little bit about uh, some of the acquisitions that you've had um, up until, you know, within the last year or so? Sure. Sure. Yeah. So we, this is where my dyslexia, I think, is a real 
benefit to me. Um, I have spent <laughs> my entire student career figuring out how to get around the ability, the, the, the lack of the ability to read. I read at a sixth grade level and spell at a third. And if anybody doesn't believe me, just wait till I send you an email. I promise I read it over and I thought I got all the problems out of it. But, <laughs> but you know, your brain, just read it really fast and it'll put the right words in and the right, right spelling. Um, but the, when I started doing acquisitions, it was because a lot of the people who were a WISP were doing the same thing I was doing. They were solving a problem. Uh, one of them was a grocery store owner. Um, they had a chain of grocery stores. They, they saw a need for dial-up, so they deployed dial-up, and then they got into wireless. And then one day they woke up and said, wait a minute, why are we even in the ISP business? We're a grocery store chain owner. Um, so we were able to come in and buy, buy that, th those customers for them because my passion and what I do is provide internet. I, we do that very, very well, and that's what we focus on. We're not divided by doing other things and trying to do those things. So we have always looked at acquisitions as, as a plan B, organic growth is a plan A, um, but, but, but uh, plan B is acquisitions. And, and the reason I say my dyslexia is, is a real benefit here is that I didn't have any money to buy any of these WISPs. So I would go into them and say, hey, I need you to finance the deal. I will pay you out over the next four years or I'll pay you out over the next two years. Here's the price I can afford. And they call that seller finance in the industry um, or in the financial industry. But I didn't know that's what it was called. I just knew that I had no money. And if you want me to buy you, you have to do it this way. And I talked to so many WISP owners early on that were like, well, but how did you come up with that? Uh, again, I had no money. <laughs> and if I wanted to buy somebody, I had to have them finance it. And they're like, oh, well, I talked to a lot of banks and they just said no. I said, okay, that's right. But thinking outside the box and coming up with a solution, that was a way for us to solve. And we've done 33, 35 acquisitions since. Our smallest one was five customers. Uh, our largest one was, was several thousand customers. Um, I even had one, one uh, um, ISP just give us his customers. He gave us $10,000 a month worth of uh, worth of customers because he was in a billing dispute with it with AT&T and if he walked away with nothing um, then they they wouldn't come after him it's like oh okay well that that worked out really well in our favor um, but it's because we were there thinking about how do we grow what we're doing and that we're very very good at what we do we're not distracted by other things and we were willing to think outside the box uh, and I, I think it's it's so important as an entrepreneur to be able to just because other people aren't doing it doesn't mean you can't figure out a way to get it done. And, and that's what we did with those acquisitions, uh, especially early on. Sure. Sure. The, as you acquire more of those, obviously you, you grow into different areas, um, different types of industries that you're supporting. Uh, you know, when we first spoke, you mentioned a, just a great story. I'd love for you to reiterate um, about a, a farmer that introduced himself to you really didn't know anything about technology. He was trying to figure out how to get um, wireless broadband uh, connections to his property. Yeah, I, and this is a story that I, this is what makes you feel like, hey, I, I love coming to work and I'm, I'm doing really, really good work for the communities. Um, we do a thing called a tower party. Uh, and that's where we literally go set up a tent underneath one of our towers or in, a, in the park in a, in a town. Uh, we give out some free food. We talk with prospective customers, but we mostly talk with our existing customers. Uh, and we might have anywhere, depending on the size of the town, 20 to, to 100 people there. And, and one of our early on ones we did, we had somebody come up and he's like, well, son, do you own the company? And I said, well, yes, yes, I do. He goes, well, I don't know nothing about technology. <laughs> and, 
And I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay, well, I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but okay. And then he says, but my son moved back to the family farm because your internet was available. And now I get to see my grandkids every day. I get to see my son every day. And it's, it's absolutely amazing that, that you're out here providing this service because I could be with my family. It's like, wow, that that's just so moving. That's just so awesome to know that that's what we're doing here as ISPs and as WISP, and especially in the rural market, we're allowing people to live where they want to live and still be connected to the rest of the world. And it'd be one thing if that was just the first story. Um, but we, every time we had a tower party, I remember I talked to one lady uh, who she said, you know, I'm just so thankful that you provide service. It's amazing service for us, but my daughter works for a high tech company in Silicon Valley, but she lives here in town and she's able to work remote because of your service out here. And it's like, wow, that all those stories are just uh, what makes it say, hey, you know what? It's worth getting up every day. It's worth coming out here and trying to do the best we can because you're truly affecting people's lives and their ability to to live where they want to live and connect where they need to connect. And, and it's just, it's so awesome to know that that's, that's what we're doing. And we can look back and say, this is, this is what we did. This was my career. This was my business. We, we did this and look at all the people we were able to help. That is a great story, Nathan, and so many more that we want to get into. Uh, I think we probably need to uh, schedule a second uh, visit here on the broadband bunch, because I know that uh, something that's a big part of what, uh, is going on with Whisper ISP is the fact that a couple of years back in the Connect America Fund Phase 2, an award of, I think, $220 million uh, for your organization over the next 10 years. And so we need to learn about that. So uh, uh, if you will be agreeable, I would love to, uh, to have you back on the Broadband Bunch to talk about that. Oh, sure. I, I'd love to talk about that. It's it's an exciting time, you know, and I'll, I kind of I'll preface it with, um, you, you know, we, we won all of that that money and it's just going to allow us to do what we've always done, but just a lot faster. And I'm, we're excited about what it means for our company, what it means for the, the customers. And I'd, I'd love to come back on and talk about it. I think it's a I think it's a great topic for, for where we're going and what we're trying to do. We certainly look forward to it. And thank you so much for being with us today on the Broadband Bunch. On behalf of Brad Hine, I'm Craig Corbin. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next time right here on the Broadband Bunch.